we uh, just finished a sermon series last week, and we are planning to start a new one next week. And so today, we're in between two sermon series. So we're just going to watch funny videos on YouTube and take it easy. And so, I'm just kidding. That's not what we're doing. Uh, we're going to have church. But this is an in-between week between uh, our two sermon series. And I was going to take time today to tell you what we're going to start next week. And then I said, nah, we'll surprise you next Sunday. So today, I just want to talk to you a little bit from my heart. And I don't know if it'll be very deep or complex to you. I hope it will be interesting because to me, it is one of the most important things we could ever communicate even, and I just hope that that is relevant and matters to each of us here. We, uh, when we looked ahead to this coming week in our preaching calendar, when we looked ahead to this coming week, I realized that this coming week was going to be uh, Valentine's weekend, and we knew that that was on the table. And because of that, we uh, thought, you know what, um, I, want, I just want to say a few words on my heart, because Valentine's Day can be a fun time for a lot of people. People love their Valentine's Day. Uh, they, some people like to go out and do something special. Uh, maybe as you get older as a couple, you're like, oh, let's just not go out and do something special. I mean, you know, uh, you know we, like to, we like to go out and celebrate things away from the time that the crowds are out. The crowds can go out and do their thing. We'll find an off time to go out and miss all the chaos, you know. So anyhow, uh, but some people love Valentine's Day and all the, the, that could come with it. And remember when you were little kids in school and you had to bring your Valentine's cards and your Valentine's box that you made to school? And you would write the, you know, your cards out. And of course, uh, when I was a kid, they, you know, they started making, you know, those prepackaged ones. You got in the, and, and you know what you did, what most kids did, is you opened all the Valentines and decided which one to give to which friend. And there was always a couple Valentine's cards that you're like, that can send a message, you know, to the right girl. That can send a message, you know. Kind of saying my feelings without saying my feelings a little bit here. So you had those cards and you, you made sure that, you know, so-and-so got that one. And you kind of gave the rest out. You strategically filled them out. And then, of course, everyone put them in your little box and your desk. And then you opened them up. And you always looked to see who said what to you. And if, you, if it was from someone you really thought you liked, you wanted to see what their Valentine said. And you are so special. Oh, wow. What did they, what did they say to you? You are so special. Oh, man, I'm special like everybody else. Never mind. Uh, but, you know, it was so fun to get your Valentines, and that's a big deal. So for Valentine's Day, for some people, it's a big celebration, and they love it. But for other people, for many people, Valentine's Day can be difficult. It's a, it's a tough time because it's, an, it's a reminder of what's not there. It's kind of like how ho all holidays work in some level. Mother's Day is hard and Father's Day is hard for people who lost their mother or father and are reminded at that time of year that, that they can't call them anymore, right? Or maybe they couldn't have children of their own and they're reminded of that pain when the, the holiday rolls around. So there's, there's reasons why celebrating, celebrating times can be a painful time for somebody else. Christmas can be hard when you're thinking about you know, who's not there anymore, who he lost. These, these can be moments that are difficult for some people, even though they're otherwise joyous occasions. Valentine's Day can be a reminder of who's not there. So this is our second service, first one online today, but second service, our nine o'clock service, we had a really good, we had a really good crowd here at nine o'clock. I think we were going to watch basketball afterwards or something. We had a good crowd. And I was looking out as I was talking like this to the first service, and I was looking out and I was looking at uh, Betty Gray, with her two daughters, uh, Sandy and Sharon, sitting next to her. And I thought about this Valentine's Day is the first one that she's had since her Valentine's gone home to heaven. You know, Valentine's Day can be so many different emotions 
for so many different people at any given moment. And so, you know, the thing is, this can be a tough time of year. If you have nobody, it can be like, oh, great. Well, Valentine's Day. But, but then there are those who have somebody. And if you think it's rough not having anyone for Valentine's Day, try having somebody that you don't want to have. There's a lot of people who are in miserable relationships, but they're in one, you know. They're like, oh, yeah. There's a debate, which is worse, being alone or being with somebody you wish wasn't there, you know. It's like, I'll trade you. How's that sound? And, and there's people who are stuck in bad, trying to work through a bad, hurtful, they've been hurt really bad, or they, they just are not happy. And even in the relationships that are really awesome, even in the best relationships, there's room for a vulnerability in the good relationships to sometimes wonder, how fragile is this thing? I mean, how, do they really love me unconditionally? I mean, if they really knew everything about me, if I didn't keep my, my hair, if I let my hair down all the way, if I didn't keep my best foot forward, if I didn't walk on eggshells, if I, if I, you know, if I let them know what I was thinking about something, would it devastate this whole thing? How fragile is this? Even in our best relationships, we could find ourselves wondering how deeply, truly, madly, that's a song, how, how loved we are. And so we could become guarded. And Valentine's Day could re- remind us of the ideal, even though somewhere else there might be the, well, the real, you know. So, I want to take today, between our two sermon series, I want to take a time today to simply re- propose to you today, not propose to you, I just didn't say that that way, um, that'd be weird. I want to recommend, I want to suggest to you today that you are indeed loved. That no matter your station in life, single, alone, with somebody, in a bad relationship, in a good relationship, but wondering how good it really is, No matter your station in life, you are special to someone. You are loved by God. In fact, to say you're loved by God is to to undersell it. You know, if we were to say this morning that God is loving, that would be true, but it's such an understatement. Because God is more than loving, God is love. John, who was the closest disciple to walk with Jesus when he was here, as, you know, God, God in Abad, as John was with Jesus, John um, would later on write down, near the end of our New Testaments, he would write down, God is love. In other words, God's defining characteristic, the thing that makes God who he is, above all the attributes you can think, he's righteous, he's holy, he's this, he's that. The defining characteristic about God is God is love. That's his central aura. That's everything. That's, he is love. And, and he loves you. And I hope that today I can, can try to convey to you the thought that God loves you. In fact, maybe the most famous verse in the Bible is John 3.16. Perhaps you know John 3.16. You've memorized it. Or you've seen it around in a sign and behind the field goal post at the Super Bowl tonight. You'll see someone holding John 3.16 on signs. Or some football players will get that little, what do they call that? Uh, not mascara. Um, that, that black uh, paint their, under their eyes there. John 3.16. What is John 3.16? It's maybe the most famous verse in the Bible. And it's beautifully beautifully said. Here here it is. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Now, that's a great verse. And oftentimes we focus on the word world. God so loved the world. And he does. He so loves the world. But here's what I want to point out. That we, I think, misdiagnose what that means. 
The idea that God so loves the world means that his love is all-inclusive to everybody, including the people that you don't know or the people you don't like. <laughs> God so loved the world. It's, it's all-inclusive that no one is excluded from God's love. But I think that the downside to that is, is we miss the point in saying that he loves everyone, which therefore means you, we don't hear me or you, we hear everyone. So then we feel it's not special. It's like that Valentine that you got that you thought was special until your friend got the same one. It's like, yeah, okay, he loves the world. But the point of loving the world means that no one's excluded, including you. So we, we overlook that, that he loved the world, but he loves the one. Because the world is made up of a bunch of individuals. You know the story in the Bible, don't you, of the, that Jesus tells the story about a shepherd who has a hundred sheep and one gets lost and he leaves the 90 and 9 in someone else's care to go out and find the one that was lost. He doesn't go out because, you know, he could have said, well, I got 99, so hey, what's one, what's one down? Who cares? He said, I care about the one. It's the story he, Jesus tells of the lady who had 10 coins, lost one. She's not like, oh, well, I got nine more. No, she goes to searches hard to find the one. And what was being communicated by Jesus is that there is rejoicing in heaven when one person recognizes God's love and responds to it. When one. Because God cares about the one. So when you see God so loved the world, that's an inclusive statement. It means everybody. It means that every, nobody is excluded, including you. Including you. Because we are all loved. But I want to notice those words, God so loved. He's so loved. This is absolutely amazing that God so loved the world. You know, you ever talk to somebody and you're like, I want to communicate how much I love them. Like when you first start, if you, if you dated and been in a relationship, maybe, you know, when we were dating and you were young, you know, you had to, you couldn't scare them off. So you had to kind of un unveil your feelings slowly and carefully. So you're like, hey, I'm into you. Oh, cool. Yeah, I dig you too. Yeah. And then later on, it's like, okay, I, oh, I'm going to say it, oh, I like you. Oh, wow. You know, and then later on, okay, I love you. And then you get, you get deeper. And all of a sudden, at some point, you're like, you know, it's not even enough anymore. No, you don't know. I really love you. You know, you're, you're texting it. I, I love you very, very much, you know. I love you. It's just like I, I, I communicate it. And that's the message of, of, the, of the verse here, that God loved. No, God didn't love. God so loved. Like, Love isn't even enough. I got to throw some adverbs in here or something. You know, God so loved the world, including you, the one. You're loved by God. And I think that we can't overlook that part. That, and this is what excites me. So I've, I like when I pray, I, I like to take walks. I, look, I really, my favorite time to pray for me is to, to take a walk at nighttime. I just have always, first of all, I'm the kind of person who likes to move around. If you didn't notice that already when I communicate, sorry to Anthony in the camera room because you got to keep changing the camera angle because I'm all over here, you know. Uh, I, I like to move around even when I communicate. But when I'm on the phone, if you're ever with me on the phone, I'm probably pacing. That's probably what I'm doing. I just, I can't sit still. I'm antsy, I guess. I don't know. But when I pray, it's my favorite way to pray is to walk. I walk in this auditorium an awful lot and, and use the space for prayer. But I like to walk when I pray. And my favorite thing is to go out at nighttime. Hard to do in winter. It's very cold. But I love to go out at nighttime. And I really love it when there's a clear sky at night. I can talk. I can pray outside, taking a walk through neighborhoods. And no one can see that you're babbling at the sky so you don't look like a crazy person, you know. But you can just be out there under the stars. I love it when the stars are out. 
And you can see sometimes planets are visible, the moon, stars. And I always love to do that walk. And here's why. Because when I take that walk, I am reminded of how absolutely big and vast this universe is. And it's just it's, it's hard to comprehend that on this, glo- this planet upon which we live, we are just a little, it's huge. Like we're one of nine, eight, eight or nine billion people in this world. And we're just, it's, so, it's such a big planet. But really, as, as, as planets and stars and other planets go, it's a pretty small planet. It's just the one that has life on it. But you get beyond that and you have like, you know, our solar system, our solar system is huge. And you can't even, we've not even been able to travel to the, to the extent of our solar system, right? I mean, yet. It's, it's big. And our solar system is, is vast. Our, our planet, Earth, which seems so big down here, is so little in our solar system. But our solar system is so small in our galaxy. To explore that thing is just is mind-boggling. And then you look at all the galaxies in the universe, and that will just blow you away. We're trying to still see reflective light coming from far-off distances and understand how, how huge and beyond our reach, the, the, the edges and the extre- extremes and the growing, potentially growing aspects of the universe are. And then in the middle of all that vastness, if you could look outside of our galaxy and look at back where we are, you couldn't even see our little planet. It's just so small. And if you could get close enough to see it, that little thing called Earth, if you get close enough to actually see it stand out and get really close where you're almost in its atmosphere, you can see it, only it, you still couldn't see any one person. You can't see me walking around down there. I'm I'm too little. There's eight or nine billion more like me. And that's just this moment in time, not counting the times and the centuries and the millennia and beyond behind us and whatever comes in front of us still. And I can get overwhelmed by how small this place and how small I am in the grand scheme of things and how big God is to make it all. He is so absolutely powerful as to run all of that, to create all of that, to manage. Think about how amazing it is that we're here. It's amazing. And yet, he's so powerful. This is what I'm getting at. He's so powerful, and yet he's so personal. The scriptures tell us, and we're going to see some scriptures in a moment here, but they tell us elsewhere that he knows the number of hairs upon our head, that he keeps every tear we've ever cried in a bottle and has a record of why it was shed. I mean, he knows us so well. He, he's so personal. He hears my prayers. And when I get out and I'm, I'm under the sky and I'm looking around thinking about God is so powerful and yet so personal, it's mind-boggling to think about it. Because we know people who are one or the other, powerful or personal or neither, but no one's both, right? No one's both. Like we know people who are very personal, they, they, they really care about us and they're personal, but they have no power to do anything about anything. They just, they're personal. And we know others who are powerful. I mean, we know of, they, they, they lead a state or a country or a large corporation. And we're like, if I ever knew that person, they're so powerful. I'd love to meet them one time. And, and they, could, you know, they could change a lot. I'd love to talk to them. But if we even could get near them, they'd forget about us five minutes later because they're so busy. They're not, it's not personal. And God is more powerful than, he's the maker of heaven and earth. He's done it all. And yet, as powerful as he is, He's so personal as to know the intimate details about you and me. And if you have never, if that thought doesn't blow you away, I'm going to be very candid with you here. If that thought does not blow you away, you're not thinking about it very hard. That's just the bottom line. If that thought doesn't 
boggle your mind, then you're not, you're not, you're not, not getting into it. You got to get out and just find yourself whatever space it takes to be overwhelmed by how significant and powerful this whole thing is and how important you are to your maker at the same time. It ought to floor us. It ought to be able to move us to tears if we thought about it in the right and true way. And that's kind of what I want to do today. I want to get you thinking about it. I think that we are guilty of underdeveloping a part of an opportunity that God has given us. And it's not, I say guilt, it's not a condemn, I'm not condemning us and saying that. I'm saying we're missing out. We're missing out on something God's given us the chance to do. And that is to meditate. We don't meditate near enough on what God has done. And so I want to encourage you today to do that. So one of my favorite portions of scripture illustrates this so well. It's a portion of the book of Psalms. And a lot of you know some of the famous Psalms. There's a lot of, it's like 150 chapters in Psalms, Right? And there's a lot of good ones. I love Psalms chapter 1. I memorized it as a kid. It's, it's, it's very sentimental. It makes me think about springtime for some reason. And I can't read it right now because I'll get depressed looking outside at the weather. But I love Psalms 1. Psalms 23, famous, the shepherd's psalm. Funerals, we quote it at funerals. It's very helpful. Psalms 100, we can go on and on and on here. But maybe one of the most underrated psalms one of the most underrated books, uh, chapters of the book of Psalms is Psalms chapter 139. And I don't want it to be overlooked anymore. I want you to take it home with you and read it again. And we're going to look at it a little bit because the psalmist in one thir- chapter 139, the psalmist, they took a, the moment to do what I'm saying to do, to think about how powerful and yet how personal God is. They were meditating and overwhelmed by the thought. And I hope that today we can think about it as well. So let's read a lot of this chapter together and see what the psalmist had to say in Psalms 139. It'll be beginning in verse number one. And this is beautiful in any, any translation. We'll use the NLT because that's my favorite, but it's poetic in any translation you'll read it in. Psalms 139 says this, O Lord, you have examined my heart and you know everything about me. Now again, there's people that you would say, well, they know pretty much everything about me. But they don't really know everything about you. Let's be honest. They don't know everything. They, they, they might have a good insight. They may be able to know when you're lying or know when you're joking or whatever. But they don't know everything about you. But, oh, Lord, you have examined my heart and you know everything. This is not hyperbole. You know everything about me. You know when I sit down or stand up. You know my thoughts even when I'm far away. Like, like, in other words, I don't have to catch up later. Like, what did you do today? Oh, well, I stood up or sat down. Oh, you did. I mean, he, he knows it. Even when I'm far away, he's, he's, he's got, you know, he's there. Always. He's like, Roz, I'm watching you. Always watching. He's always watching you all the time, right? But, but in a, the most loving way, he's, he, the psalmist says, God, you're always there wherever I go. You see me, you see me when I travel. And when I rest at home, you know everything I do. Now, that is both encouraging and terrifying at the same time, I think. But anyhow, what the psalmist is getting at in this chapter is that God knows everything and loves us incredibly. That's the amazing message here. You see me wherever I'm at, God. Every move I make, every step I take, he's watching me, right? Everywhere. You know everything I do. You know what I'm going to say 
even before I say it, Lord. Now, we know people in our lives that we get to know them so well. It's like we can finish each other's sandwiches, you know? And we know people like that that we have that connection with or whatever. But the truth is, is that um, God, is no, God knows us so well, he literally does know what we're going to say before we say it. Which some people would say, why pray? Because God already knows what I'm thinking. But I would, I would counter the psalmist is reckoning to the heart of a mom or dad who knows what their child's about to ask or knows what their child is about to say or what they're about to tell them. They know the, what's going on. But they still want to hear because they want to have a conversation with someone they love. They're like, I, I, that's what God is doing. He's like, look, I know what you're, what's going on. I don't need you to say anything. I already know. But he's like, I just want to hear you say it because I just want to have a conversation. I just want to be in relationship with you. And so talk to me, talk to me. And so he comes to you and says, let's share what's going on with you. But he says, but the psalmist, he says, God, you know what I'm going to say even before I say it, Lord. You he says, you go before me and follow me. Now, that's kind of impossible, right? Which is it? Do you go before me or do you follow me? Yes. He's everywhere. He says, you place your hand of blessing on my head. And then he just pauses and says, such knowledge, such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It's too great for me to understand. In other words, this is too awesome that when I try to think about it, it's overwhelming to my brain. I get tired and exhausted trying to figure this out. And by the way, again, that's what trying to comprehend the, the power and the personal love of God ought to do to all of us. We ought, it, that, that we almost stay away from it because if we venture into it, when we do, and we all should sometimes venture into those thoughts, it ought to be like almost at some point mind-numbing, like I can't get it. It's just too wonderful for me. I, I'm just meditating on it and I can't get my mind around it. And if we're not there, then I think we're missing out on something that could change your life. It could change your life. It's too great for me to understand. What the psalmist is trying to communicate here, and I think it's so important for us to, to grab a hold of, is this. That when it comes to God's love, when it comes to God's love, he, he knows you best and he loves you most. That's pretty incredible. Like, do the people who know you like best, like everything about you, do they still love you? Know, they, they love you most? Or people who love you most know you best. Maybe you say yes. In God's case, it's true for all of us. Better than anyone knows you. Better than the person who you think knows you the best. God knows you better than they do. He knows you best. And at the same time, more than anyone else loves you, he loves you most. He knows you best and loves you most. And the psalmist is basking in this understanding. Let's keep reading. Verse number seven, he says, I can never escape from your spirit. I can never get away from your presence. If I go up to heaven, you're there. If I go down to the grave, you're there. He's like, I can't, I just can't, I can't run. I can't get away. And that's what God was saying to this man's heart. And he says it throughout scripture is that you can't get away from him. He'll chase you down. He'll chase you down. You know, in my line of work, I, I deal with a lot of people's lives, share moments, high moments, weddings, people's weddings, I love them, people's funerals. I enjoy being with them through those tough times and being a support through sad moments, happy babies being born, happy moments, 
you know, marriages falling apart, sad moments. I've, I've, I walk through a lot of that stuff with people. And through the years, there's times when I come home after dealing with a tough situation with a, you know, you know a, 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 maybe a couple who's just, you know, the marriage fell apart and they're just, it's over. And I'll just be so burdened for how that can go. I remember coming into the house one day and seeing Michelle and just appreciating that I have an amazing, awesome wife who, and, 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 and I'm blessed to have a good relationship with her, good marriage. And I, I looked at her and I said to her, Michelle, if you ever if you ever leave me, I'm going with you. You know, I'm just that's all, that's that's the end. I'm going to go with you if you leave me. And she's like, "What? Are you gonna like hide out in the suitcase and pop your head out?" And I'm like, "Yeah, pretty much. I'm just gonna be like, yeah, it's me," uh, because that's how I felt. But really, that is how God is. That's how God is. That you're like, I'm I'm done. I just don't believe anymore. Or I'm offended by what's happened in my life. Or I'm just walking away from faith. Or I don't know. And God's like, I'm going with you. I mean, you could ignore that I'm there. You could ignore that I'm, you could, you could forget that I'm there. But guess what? I went with you. <laughs> I was there still. Like, wherever you went to, you're like, aha, I'm getting away from God. And God's like, yeah, let's get away from that guy. What guy? Oh, me? I'm still here. Like, he, everywhere you go, he went with you. And that's what the psalmist, that's what they're recognizing here. He goes on to say this, if I ride the wings of the morning, if I dwell by the farthest oceans, if I, in other words, if I run that far, even there, even there your hand will guide me and your strength will support me. If I, I, he said, I could ask the darkness. I could ask the darkness to hide me and the light around me to become night. Wouldn't that be a cool power to have? But he said, if I could hide in the dark, he says, even in darkness, I cannot hide from you. To the night, to you, the night shines as bright as day Darkness and light are the same to you. Like he's like, you know, God's got better than those Navy SEALs uh, goggles that, you know, see through the dark like it's daylight, you know. It's way better tech than that. God's like, I, day, dark? You're hiding in the dark and hiding from other people? Can't hide from God in the dark because he is light. He just sees it all. And the psalmist is like, there's no place I can find myself in life. And I could even run to stubbornly or wrongfully in life. And find that I got away from you. And that's amazing. I said earlier, he knows you best and he loves you most. But here's the cool part of that. I think the psalmist is reminding us that when it comes to God's love, he knows you best and he loves you still. Let's be honest, there's people that we think, if they knew everything about me, if it was all on the table, it'd be over rover. You know, they, they, they know me until they knew me best and then they don't love me no more. Or not very much anymore. And yet God knows you best. And when knowing you best means he knows that thing, that thought, that behavior, that action, that part of your past, that part of your present, he knows you best and he loves you still. And that, my friends, is remarkable. That when someone can know us that well, that's what we're afraid of, isn't it? That's what we're afraid of when it comes to intimacy, is that if, I, if you really knew me, to know me is to hate me. And God says, no, to know you is to love you. I know you best, even that, and I love you still. The psalmist goes on. You made all the delicate inner parts of my body and knit me together in my mother's womb. It's amazing. He's saying, before anyone knew I was even on the way, before someone realized they, they, you know, their, 
cycle was, was missed and they took a home pregnancy test and found out, oh, could it be? Before the doctor confirmed. We used to have a statement when I was growing up and say, before you were a twinkle in your daddy's eye. Now that I'm older, I wonder what does that even mean? It's kind of weird. But anyhow, um, before you were born, before anyone laid eyes on you, God made all the delicate inner parts of our body. It's interesting. We have, I was uh, holding uh, Jens and Debbie's daughter a little earlier, uh, little um, Thea, and thinking about, you know, how little she is and how fast she's growing. And we have Kathy, Zach's wife, uh, Kathy, who she's over next door with the kids right now. And she's like two weeks from popping, I think, just a little, uh, little bundle of joy on the way here in like two weeks. And then we have Andrew and Lindsay, who are expecting uh, sometime this summer. And maybe another one somewhere, I can't say. It's, uh, I don't want to spoil the surprise, or maybe not a surprise. I mean, maybe someone's pregnant. I'm not saying who, or uh, maybe I'm wrong. Okay, fine, it's Terry and Dolores they're expecting. But uh, it's a miracle, it's a miracle. I didn't, I didn't want to spoil the, the, the announcement, so sorry. But anyhow, um, we have some babies on the way, right? And, and here's the thing, before mom and dad knew there was a baby on the way, before they knew that, the psalmist is like, God, you were already putting me together. Before they heard the heartbeat or saw an ultrasound, you were already putting me together in my mother's room. You were putting all that life, you were letting that life come to form and to fruition and all that was happening before anyone even knew I was there. And he says, thank you. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous. And that doesn't, that's not cocky. Like, huh, God, <laughs> your workmanship is marvelous. Am I right or am I right or am I right? You know, that's not what he's saying here. He's saying we are complex creatures. How well I know it. In other words, if you think about this amazing world we live in, if you think about it, we are a wonder. This this world, globally, it's a wonder. Like you think about our our little planet Earth. Any closer to the sun, we'd burn up. Any further away, we'd freeze. It's just right. All these millennia and, and more of existence and human life, and it's just amazing. It's an amazing planet that, that, that God has created, an amazing world out there. And yet, and yet, here's the cool part. As complex and as amazing as this world is that God created is my in your human bodies. We are intricate. You ever think about how much is impacting this little body, the, the cells that make up our body, how complex, how they regenerate? rejuvenate, or used to when we were younger. I mean, do you ever think about how complex our bodies are? How our eyes work? It's amazing how the eye works. It's, it's just a, it's a work of complex wonder. Do you ever think about how our, our, our ears work, that you can hear what's going on? I mean, it's amazing. Do you ever think about the brain? The brain is like the last frontier of modern medicine. Like, you know, if they could figure out how to deal with brain, you know, issues. I mean, it's amazing. Are we, and the psalmist is like, God, thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous, and I know it well. Verse 15, he says, you watched me as I was being formed in utter seclusion. As I was woven together in the dark of the womb, you saw me before I was born. Every day of my, this is, this is amazing, don't miss it. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. God's got a book about you. He's got a book about you, your story. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. Hmm. 
It's amazing. In other words, see, how is that possible that God recorded the whole thing? This is a peek into the powerful sovereignty of God. And the reason that this makes sense, this last statement makes sense, is because God lives outside of the boundaries of time. I say this a lot, but I think we, don't, we overlook it, that God doesn't measure time like we do. He's timeless. There's a whole dimensional limitation that we have that we can't understand the timelessness of God. We see time as linear, our life as linear, but God throughout history can step at any spot in and out and there's not time to him. That's why prophecies happen. How did they know that was going to happen? Because God can speak about it before it happens to, in our time. It's no surprise to him. He's beyond it all. And your life, everything that, that you, from your birth to your death one day and all that's in between, God sees it in a moment because it's all before him, but he's into every detail of it at the same time. And there's a book. And you matter that much. In your moments, in your linear time moments, God's in every single one of them with you. It's just hard to comprehend. And the thing I'm trying to communicate is, I said earlier, that God is love. He, he knows you best and he loves you most. He knows you best and when you blow it, he loves you still. And I guess to put those two statements together into one statement, when it comes to God's love, he knows you best and he still loves you most. He knows you best and he still loves you most. Like, to, to say you know me best and you still love me at all is amazing, but to, to know me best and still love me most is hard to comprehend. And that's God's love. Why are we saying this today? Because this Valentine's Day week, my concern, my concern is this, that, that some of you might be feeling a little isolated. The ideal and your, re, your real are not the same spot. And maybe along the way, you're tempted not to think that you're very loved, but you're loved. And what you need to do is do what the psalmist has done here. You got to go in and meditate. Think about it. Not just on a Sunday morning when you're putting up with Arlen's rambling before Super Bowl festivities, but in a personal level in your private time to sit back and think about. Meditate on. You know when you meditate on God's love, that's how you write Psalms 139. Someone here, they were thinking about God's love, weren't they? And it was poetic and it's beautiful. And you ought to take this chapter home with you and read it. I'm not done yet, though. Verse 17, they said this. How precious are your thoughts about me, O God. How precious. God has precious thoughts about you. How precious are your thoughts about me, O God. And then he says this. They cannot be numbered. Hmm. They can't be numbered. So he goes on to say, I can't even count them. They outnumber the grains of sand. Like in other words, you know, with quantum physics and all the, the new technology of machinery and all the ability to, to, you can't count them still. Like there's no, you know, to the upteenth power. You just can't count them. God's thoughts to us are that numerable. Now let's, let's be real here. I should think about God that much, but I don't. Neither do you. Because life happens, we get busy. But God thinks about you that much. And let's be real. You know, anybody, you know, if I'm thinking about you all the time, baby doll, honey buns, whoever you are, I'm thinking about you all the time. What we mean is most of the time, and maybe a lot of the time, and maybe to us all the time, I can't enjoy food without you being here. I'm calling you on the way to work. 
Later on, you're like, I'm calling it to work, what? Oh, never mind, I don't know. But hey, I mean, you know, here's the thing. Any human who comes short or will come short of that kind of magic, because it seems unsustainable. God says, it ain't unsustainable to me. I love you that much. I have so many thoughts towards you. They're precious thoughts, and they cannot be numbered. They cannot be numbered. And then the psalmist says, when I wake up, you're still with me. Like your mercies are new every single morning. Great is your faithfulness. It's amazing. I guess my hope is this. Between my talking about it, just sharing some of my own journey through prayer, thinking about how powerful God is and yet how personal he is, reading this amazing psalm by this amazing author, and seeing how they meditated, how she, he or she meditated on the idea of God's love. I wonder today, I wonder today if maybe the question we ought to ask ourselves and take home with us is this. Do you ever think about how much God thinks about you? Do you ever just stop and think about how much God thinks about you? This is important, and here's why. Because if you're going, if you're going through a hard time, that, that can be a downer, can be sad, even a bit depressing to think about. Because of what's not right or who's not right in your life. I just think if we would ever stop and think about how much God thinks about us, I think it'd give us a boost. I think if that, that, those meditations can give us some solid ground upon which to walk. They can strengthen our weak legs. They can, they can make our, our path a little more solid. It's a solid foundation, a firm foundation. What is that firm foundation that you walk on? The firm foundation is that there is a God and he is love. And he thinks about you all the time. That's the rock-solid foundation upon which to build it all. Do you ever think about how much God loves you? Do you ever think about how much God thinks about you, how much he loves you? Because he does. You are loved. You are so loved. Love's not enough. You are so loved. And if we can just wrap our minds about that once in a while, wrap our minds around that once in a while, just maybe, just maybe, just maybe, it'll be okay. Just maybe, just maybe, just maybe, no matter what our station in life is and who and where we walk and who walks or does not walk that road with us, maybe if we could get our minds around that a little bit, it'll be okay. But you have to meditate on it. You gotta think about it. You gotta let it be real. You are so loved. Knowing this, really knowing this, well, it could, it could change everything, couldn't it? Wouldn't it? Here's a question for you. What if you lived like you were loved? What if you actually lived your life as if you were loved? Because you are. You are so, so loved.